Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into Bleeding Green Nation. I am Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. And of course, follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. This is all powered by the fine folks at SB Nation and obviously Bleeding Green Nation. So you guys asked for this and you listened it last time. So we've got another set of press conferences coming your way. First up is offensive coordinator Mike Groh, followed by defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Lots of great insight in these, and we feel like this is a perfect primer for tomorrow's show, which is the Kiston Solak Show Coaches Film Edition, as me and Benjamin Solak break down what we saw on film from the Eagles' 27-21 loss to Tampa Bay. Keep an eye out for that, and remember, iTunes reviews are much appreciated, and as much as we joke about it, it's not just for our own egos, uh, entirely, anyway. It has to do with iTunes' weird algorithm, so leave a line, say your following directions, whatever it is, we appreciate the support, leave those five stars, and we're excited to talk with you soon to bring you more of the best analysis in the game. Let's get started with Mike Rowe at the podium. Mike, you talked before the season, right before the season, about... Dallas Goddard and how it was, I don't want to, I'm paraphrasing, but you needed to find ways to to use his talents. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like you really have yet. Yeah. Is that something you, uh, you took out of Sunday? Or you gonna yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. I mean, we, we, we have a talented player in Dallas, and, um, you know, we, we, need to, we need to find more ways, as you stated, to uh to get him involved we just we need to get him involved more we had some extenuating circumstances the other day and um you know for for a variety of reasons um he just he just wasn't in there in the spots where where we were getting the ball to so um yeah we're we're going to continue to try to monitor that and make sure that he is going to help us win games here this offense the default is 11 personnel but you're down to three healthy receivers at this point how difficult does that make it for you? Obviously, you have to have moving parts. Yeah, there's been some moving parts here in the in the. Uh, well, I guess since we came back to training camp, it seems like um, um, we haven't necessarily had the same eleven in the huddle uh, on a consistent basis. So, I mean, that's that's part of football. Um, you know, there's a lot of cities in, in the National Football League, a lot of a lot of teams that are saying that right now. So, no one's going to feel sorry for the Eagles, and we got to do a good job of getting our best eleven out there and, and find that continuity in the rhythm. Mike, 
you're playing against a coach like Frank Reich, who had a big part in the construction of this basic offense, do you have to make more changes than you would for another coach? Frank who? <laughs> um, no, we, we, have, we have a lot of respect for Frank, and um, we know his fingerprints are all over what we, what we have here and, and the system that we run. So um, there's some provisions that we need to make and uh, accommodations for that. And so, you know, we're, we're in the process of doing that, communicating with our guys so that um, we, we don't try to give them any kind of unfair advantage over what we're doing. Really? Yeah. Um, now, this is. Uh, it took he, my four questions. Exactly. exactly. I was telling him to wait. Uh, exactly. If, he, he can take away the injury. He's still a 25 year old, 30 year quarterback. What more can he add to his game? What would you like to see him do this year that maybe is different than in the past? Well, first of all, we're, you know, we're really excited that Carson is back, and I know that he's worked extremely hard, um, you know, with his medical team and, and on his own and a lot of, you know, um, solitary hours trying to get himself ready and prepared to play. So it's exciting to have him back. And, um, you know, I know he's anxious to get out there. And we just want to get him back in the game first. Wouldn't want to talk about any kind of expectation level for uh, the way we expect that he's going to play right now. Um, he's done a tremendous job. The number one job of quarterback is, is to lead his team to victory. So um, that's where it all starts and ends. And, you know, I think that uh, if you were to ask him, um, what he wants to improve on. I mean, there's probably little nuanced things that he feels that he could get better at. He has tremendous command of the system right now and, and the way he sees us operating offensively and the way, uh, you know, we'll do it when, when he's in there. He's got a real vision for how he wants to play the game and he's communicating that and articulating that both with us and, and the guys around him. So it's, it's good to have him back. Are you expecting to see the Carson from 2017? Well, I mean, you know, he didn't have any preseason, you know, re really very little offseason. So, um, you know, I think that that Carson Wentz will show up. Um, but how much rust is there? I don't know. Like, you know, I think Coach said to you guys yesterday, uh, there's no real way to simulate game speed in practice. So, um, you know, he does that. He plays the game very fast mentally out there at practice. He's, he's seeing it and envisioning himself in the game. I think that that helps from a mental standpoint. Uh, the body doesn't know the difference between a mental or physical rep. So, he, you know, I think he's, he's trying to simulate that process in his mind. But there's still nothing like playing in the games and feeling that speed. So uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll take a few plays. We saw last year, uh, you talk about command of the offense. We saw his ability to check at the line based upon his pre-snap reads. Do you anticipate him growing even more in that regard? How much will that give add to the offense? I, I would, th you know, I think every year in, um, you know, there's a comfort level, and then obviously being surrounded by the same guys and having a comfort level for what they do really well, and 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 uh, and, and their comfort in the offense, and and being able to take something in an instant and and make it happen uh, out there during the course of the game um, certainly gives a lot of people confidence. So uh, I, I certainly do feel like that's a strength of Carson's. Seems playing at home and doesn't have to go silent count. How much does that add to the efficiency of an offense in general? Or can you even quantify that in terms of your flexibility, audibling, or whatever? I mean, there's well, I think we're talking about two different things: audibling and, and silent count. Uh, obviously, if you're changing a play, you know there's signals that are incorporated, but you know the, the line's got their head down; they can't see the signal, so you have to be, you know, communicating with them verbally. Uh, to get plays changed and things like that, and crowd noise can affect those things. But in terms of a silent count, and we practice that procedure all the time, so that really is a non-issue. But is there a definable advantage to being at home and not having the crowd in your ear? Well, I, I think so. I think they call that the home field advantage. So, 
Um, we know that our crowd is really loud. They were a tremendous factor uh, for us in the first game. I know it impacted Atlanta's offense. Just, I mean, you could see how tight they were in, in the huddle just trying to call the play. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, it slows your operation down. And, you're, you know, you got less time when you get to the line of scrimmage to make the checks or get, get in into the right play or out of a bad play. So, uh, obviously, crowd noise plays a factor in the game. Nelson Aguilar had that stretch where he got uh, on the fourth down, he, he got banged up a little bit, and then he got hit on a punt return a minute later, and then he caught a touchdown and had to jump over a photographer. And it, it just seemed like that sequence kind of demonstrated how, I don't know, a toughness about him. I mean, he was able to kind of work through all that stuff. He had to be hurting a little bit after the couple plays. What, what has he shown you just as far as toughness um, and, and being able to function uh, through that kind of stuff? Well, he's got tremendous competitive toughness and, uh, and physical toughness and mental toughness. I mean, that – it took a lot to play in that game the other day um, with, with under the conditions and then, you know, losing guys um, like we did at the position. So, uh, you know, everybody took took more reps than you otherwise would have expected. And then the circumstances of the game and, and going no huddle like we did and having to get right back up on. So uh, I think it says a lot about, the, number one, the conditioning of all the guys. But um, in terms of your specific question about Nelson, I've never questioned his competitive character. Uh, or how important winning is to him, or, or whether he'll do anything he can to help his team win. And he certainly showed up big on Sunday. Doug, Doug and um, Frank spoke about uh, Frank's role in two-minute offense last year. Is that pretty much what yours is uh, as well this year? Yeah, I, I've tried to assume all the same duties that, that Frank has had to try to assist coach to um, prepare and, and to be able to call the game the way, way that he's comfortable in doing. So are you you're in his ear too as well during two minutes. Right. I mean, we're all we're all online and, and available. We don't we don't do a lot of talking. Do you speak up more during two minutes? Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more before that series, and then um, you know during during the opportunity when it, it presents itself, um, if I have something I think is is worthy for coach, then then I'll give it to him. Mike, you only promote Josh Adams. Pardon me. Uh, what went into the decision? Well, we were pleased with Josh uh, and his production throughout training camp. You know, he missed time with some injuries, but had some productive time in the games. And um, he's here in our practice squad, knows our system, and we think he's got an upside. So he's, he's a big body, and uh, we're excited about seeing Josh. How much does that have to do with the health? How much does it have to do with the health of Jay Ajayi? And you know, he was kind of in and out of that game. Is it kind of a precautionary measure in case he can't go? Or yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we got to make sure that we have. Enough, enough guys at the, at the position, and um, you know Jay's a, a promising young player. Mike, you only have a few uh, receivers available, and, and you lose uh, Mike Wallace, one of the starting outside receivers. What's, uh, how do you go into the week as you're trying to kind of problem solve and put together a game plan with those different factors? Yeah, I mean, there's the discussions are a little bit longer, um, last a little bit longer than. Um, you know, sometimes you'd like because, you know, you're, you're trying to put the pieces to the puzzle together a little bit. So um, they, they, they tend to linger a little bit more than when you have everybody available. Corey, Corey Fleming uh, has only played like 30% of the snaps, which feels low given that Sproles in his time and Jai missed some of the game. Um, would you agree that that's maybe a little lower than you anticipated? I don't think I would agree, no. Um, and we, we've used uh, three backs here in the past, so um, I think Deuce does a great job of, of splitting that up. And uh, you know, we'll see where Jay is at. But Corey's going to be a you know very important and critical member of our offense as the season goes on. And whether it's thirty percent or it's it's fifty percent or, or whatever that number is, I mean, we're getting good production out of Corey right now. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. 
I mean, you, you ask any defense in the league, um, playing at home is a huge advantage, particularly when you have a crowd like we have. Um, I'll take you back to last year. That same disparity was um, Minnesota Vikings. And we talked about that as, as we got ready, and I think we saw that with our home crowd. Um, you strive for consistency home and away, and it's not like people are running different plays on the road. Um, generally, you're not playing different teams. Um, but there's, um, there's a reason um, there's home field advantage, and it's generally not on offense because they're trying to be quiet to let the offense work. It's on defense when you're trying to be disruptive. And I've said before, our fans have a lot to do with our um, performance, and our, our guys appreciate that. We need to be more consistent on the road. I said that. That being said, there is an advantage to playing home. Is there more to the discrepancy than, than just that, though? Because y'all, it's pretty pronounced. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. We don't, we don't change game plans when we go on the road. Um, I don't think an airplane trip is going to affect our performance very much. Um, you know, I think it, it just is what it is, right there. Um, small sample sizes can can change that, but I don't want to discount the the. The data, because I definitely think it's an advantage to playing uh, to playing home. Jim, the two uh, seventy-five yard touchdowns. What's your, what's your? I mean, that's really an aberration for you guys. You know, I mean, I know it's a focus. Well, it wasn't in this game, yeah. and that's all we have to go on. We can't. I think we're on the wrong path if we just say that. If we just say it's an aberration. Now, one was on a blitz, and one was on a considered to be a pretty safe zone, and both of them were the same. Uh, both of them were the same result. Um, you know, and it just it just goes to show you, you can't let your guard down on on any play. Um, there is a risk of blitzing. I know most of the every time I step onto the field, come out the tunnel, um, all I hear is you know Schwartz, you got to blitz every play, you got to bring it every play, and and I, I understand. I mean, they, they mean you have to pressure the quarterback, which we're all for, but um, you know there is some risk inherent to that. We took a risk on the first play. We paid dearly for it. Um, we didn't execute very well on a 75-yarder. A lot of different layers to that. It's never one person's fault. But um, then we did, also didn't tackle well. I think that, that, that you know, first play is probably off of that because we never laid a glove on him. But the second play, we had chances. And uh, we didn't look like ourselves a lot of times. There were some times where running backs and wide receivers were dragging us for, you know, two and three extra yards. And you generally don't see that from us. We need to get back on track to playing physical football and tackling well. So the, blitz, so the first play, the, the blitz was the problem, or well, it's, it's like a, yeah, there's a lot of layers to it. I mean, and I, and I said it's never one. I think you know, when you first look at it, everybody's blaming the corner, and then Jenks steps up and acknowledges his role in it. But if you went across the board, there were about four or five other opportunities where we might have been able to get to that quarterback before the ball came out, and there, you know, I, I think that. Across the board, and I'll just speak for defensive. Defensively, we, we we were a sloppy team, and when I say sloppy team, we were a sloppy defense in that game. Our tackling wasn't as good as it normally is. Our technique wasn't wasn't as good as it normally is. Um, you know, our our pursuit and things like that got a little a little bit sloppy at times. You can't blame the weather on that. We need to do a better job. We have very few missed assignments, just like like just blown things. We had a couple. Uh, one of which cost us a, a touchdown in the red zone, but we were we were sloppy in our technique, and that led to plays like that. So um, it's very rare that it's one person's fault when you've got eleven guys trying to do a job. Um, and I think that that play, 
That plays a good example of that. Does Luck look like the guy we saw a couple of years ago? Well, I know this. He's he's completing seventy one percent of his passes, um, and they're I think they're the first third down team in the NFL. Yeah, check my math on that. I don't know where the stats were after last night, but um, you know those are two pretty good signs for a quarterback. He's completing passes. He still remained a very accurate passer. Um, and he still has very good mobility. He hasn't been afraid to scramble around. He's taken some hits on his shoulder. Um, that tells me he's feeling pretty good. He's not shying away from those kind of things. Uh, a little bit of a unique week with Frank coming back so quickly. Uh, he knows you really well, vice versa. What kind of challenges does that present for you? You know, I think it's 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 not uncommon to go against friends and I, I will go on the record uh, with with Frank I think Frank is one of the best guys I've ever met in this business I don't know if you guys share that same opinion but just just an absolute um, you know gem of a man uh, I really admire him and he did a great job uh, for us here so it's you know you, you're used to that in this league going against teams um, we turn over a significant amount of our defense on a yearly basis he goes in. I'm sure he's taken some parts of what we ran here, and he has a whole bunch of different coaches, people with different backgrounds that are bringing in different things, a completely different skill set for different players. So it's not going to look like a training camp practice from last year. Um, but there is going to be some familiarity. I mean, you can't help but work around guys for a couple of years. He would always bounce ideas off of me. I'd always bounce ideas off of him, um, ask, hey, what are you thinking in this situation um, I would ask him to look at plays that we would run on um, against the scout team, and say, "Hey, is this is this a legitimate bluff or a legitimate? Did you did you believe that this was a blitz or did this blitz fool you or whatever?" And uh, input is, I mean, um, uh, Nick Foles gave us a lot of good input last year. Chase Daniels did too, um, you know. So I think all of those things go into it, but we're a little bit different. I mean, this game's going to be decided this year, not last year. Third touchdown where Michael jumped and then looked like he circled around. Was that him doing it on his own, or was that a, was that a called stunt? And he kind of seemed to leave the middle. Of the no, game. he just got he just got no. He doesn't have coverage down the field. Um, he just got off track once he once he was he was you know here's the thing with that. Mike was guilty of this as was Malcolm uh, as was me. Um, we had a lot of guys that were trying to make a play and. What happens is that sometimes rather than do your job, you, you press to try to make a play, and all of a sudden you end up giving up plays. And what Mike was trying to do there, he's, we're, we're backed up. He's trying to make a play, get a sack, um, get a jump, get a tackle for a loss, you know, something like that. He got too aggressive, jumped, and, and then it just, he just ended up in there. That's what happens when you jump off sides. Um, you get that, but it, it, the coverage had nothing to do. We we blew a coverage that we very rarely ever blow. We had very few missed assignments in the game. That was one, and um, we take pride in being a good red zone team. We weren't in this last game. His rush, you know, when he moved around, should he have stayed there on that side? Well, yeah. I mean, it's that's that's easier said than done when you're when you're falling off sides and then you're trying to get back then the offense get the jam on you and, and it's just it's just a tough situation I mean it's not really designed but it's not designed to um, you know to have a neutral zone infraction either so Jim uh, play from behind big boy in his first two games and last year I think you were ahead for about 60 percent of snaps last year uh, is this is this defense better suited to, to play from ahead because of the pass rush you had well I mean I think 
you could go for a hundred percent of the defenses are better suited to play ahead. I mean, that's our, that's the whole thing we try to do. There's nobody that's laying in wait, um, you know, just trying to, um, all due respect to Muhammad Ali, nobody's playing ropey dope and trying to, you know, trying to come back at the last minute. We have, but nobody's trying to do that. Um, you know, they, they, this is a game that, um, was important for us to, to get the lead. We didn't, we didn't do our part in that. You know, I mean, offense, defense, special, uh, I mean, offense, special teams, that's not our job. Our job is to keep points off the board. One play, one touchdown, you know, uh, not that we couldn't come back from that because, because we did. I mean, I, I'm not happy with the game, but I, I will say this. I'm still proud of our guys. Um, I've been in the NFL a long time. It was 27 to seven. We're on the road. We look like crap. Um, you know, and and it looks like it's not our day. And somehow we found it in us to get a couple stops. Offense is able to get a couple scores and at least give ourselves a chance. I've I've been on the other side of those that can easily turn into forty-two to seven, and you know, and um, and and they're warming the bus up. But uh, I was proud of our guys for at least finding that way. Never be never finding silver linings in a loss, but. Again, not happy with it, but still proud of their effort and still proud of their resiliency. Those are things that will carry us a long way. Hey, Jim, uh, Michael Bennett, I think he had 24 snaps in this game. It was suggested during the week one broadcast that he's not particularly happy being in a rotation. I'm just one, curious what you've seen um, out of out of Bennett and where you think he is mentally. No, I think he works hard, and when he goes on the field, he's um, he plays hard and he's been producing for us. I mean, that jumped off sides notwithstanding. Um, we only had really 50, I think 58 or 59 true snaps in this game. I mean, I mean, it would be great. Yeah, if we play 120 snaps, everybody could play 60 snaps um, on the defensive line, but that wouldn't be good for our defense. I think our guys are, are unselfish, and you have to look at the production of our group. I think we can be more productive than we were. Um, we started off, we got a lot of pressure on the quarterback early. As the game went on, um, we weren't playing with the lead. Quarterback wasn't forced to hold the ball, and all of a sudden we weren't able to get the same pressure. So how, whether it's one person or not, I, what I see from Mike is when he goes on the field, he, he plays hard for us, and uh, I appreciate that. What kind of look for Carson Wentz given in the scout team the last two, the last two weeks? Yeah, nice try on that one. <laughs> he was he was running the opponent's offense. Right. So. It wasn't like he was trying to be Carson we we draw cards and he runs the opponent's offense, but yeah, that's as far as I'll go on that. Um, you know, I think that you'd look at their stats; they're a little bit sneaky in, in their run game. I already mentioned third down, um, but you know they haven't had the greatest stats in the world. But they they also haven't have very many turnovers. They haven't taken very many sacks, and as a result, they've been hanging in. And I think that that's like. You know, that, that's a big part of of what you do. They completed 71% of their passes. Um, they've been good in the red zone. Um, enough challenges there. They have a big play wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know, obviously a, a very smart um, veteran quarterback. Um, they got some weapons at tight end, both Doyle and uh, Ebron. Um, you know, there's there's enough to, there's 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 certainly plenty to get our attention this week. What yeah. uh, kind of skill set does Ty have, um, as opposed to the two guys you mentioned? Too? The two guys, what? as opposed to like uh, Sean or, or Mike Evans, or you mentioned that Ty though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every week it's another one. I mean, Julio Jones, Sanu, um, Ridley in the first week. I mean, it never stops. I mean, there's great skill guys in this league. 
I think the biggest thing that I notice with a guy like T.Y. Hilton is he can maintain his speed deep down the field. So a lot of guys that have that quick burst and then they sort of like fall off. I mean, he's made so many plays in his career. I think, and, and again, I, uh, I hate to throw numbers out because I hate if I'm wrong with it, but he, he might be the, the third leading um, yards per catch receiver either in the league right now or in the history over the course of his career. But it, over the course of his career, he's averaging like 16.9 yards a catch. Clean clean me up on all my um, stuff because, I mean, we're just putting one game to bed, moving on to the next. But um, but anyway, there's there's that doesn't happen by accident. He can make a play deep down the field. And uh, that was something that, um, you know, proved a liability for us last week. So I'm sure they're going to tempt us or they're going to test us, and we have to be up for the challenge. Do you think John played off too much on Sunday? You know, we, we like to mix it up, and I don't say – I don't know this. I think – I think I'll, I'll say this. Across the board, our technique was sloppy. I don't think it has anything to do with playing up versus playing off. You can defend a short pass by playing off. You can defend a deep pass by playing up. Um, it's just a matter of technique. And you go across the board, really. Um, you know, both him, Darby, a lot of a lot of our other guys. Our linebackers, our technique was sloppy. Our drops were short. We weren't getting underneath of uh, a lot of those zone plays. Um, it's rarely one thing. But um, he's always been a guy that mixes it up. He's an outstanding off player. He can get up and press. You don't have. I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. I don't think that if you're off, you can't defend a short pass. I think. If your technique's sloppy, then you have a difficult time so, doing it. Tipping off a blitz if you play up when you haven't been. Oh, I don't. We we play up when it's blitzes and not blitzes. So. Yeah. You mentioned completion percentage of Andrew league league wide through two weeks. They set a record for completion percentage, passer rating as well. Uh, do you just chalk that up for a small sample size, or is it more difficult to play pass defense in this environment? Well, I mean, it's difficult to play defense in general. I mean, um, you know, I mean, we have different strike zones. We have strike zones on quarterbacks. We have strike zones on receivers. Offenses are building more um, college concepts into their stuff. Quick passes that are high percentage completions. Um, you know, RPOs that are built in, advantage throws that are built in. Um, you know, a lot of working the working the short stuff and. And being calculated in their uh, in their deep stuff, I mentioned last week. What was impressive to me about the Bucks is when they took their deep shot, deep shots, such a high percentage of completion on those. Um, I think across the league, you're seeing um, you're seeing quarterbacks make good decisions. Quarterbacks are well trained, and um, they're they're they have a lot more options available to them. Quicker, um, uh, more more receivers on the field. And the Bridget to the Colts, um, um, they they got a running back they drafted in the fourth round, um, number 21. God, why is his name? Uh, Naheem. Yeah, dude is super fast. I mean, dude is like 10, 300-meter guy. That's, a, that's, you know, just dumped the ball to a screenplay for him. You're going to get high percentage completions. Okay. All right, guys. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. 
I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers.